Hey, this is the official tapes, the unofficial Grateful Dead radio program for the official releases. It's a radio program that uh, plays nothing but the official releases from the band Beyond Description. And we are going to throw a curveball at you, keeping you on your toes. What's up? My name is Kat Ridgeway, and I just put out a new record called Nice to Meet You. Now, how this young lady snuck through the door is her publicist is Dennis McNally. Yes, the same publicist for the Grateful Dead for many years, if Mr. McNally gives her the stamp of approval, well then I definitely have to uh, check her stuff out. Incredible album. Listen to it uh, several times all the way through. Got a nice groove to it. Uh, always good to kind of see what's going on in the music industry. Get a different side of the music industry. See what's going on for an up-and-coming artist making her name for herself, and she's definitely making a name for herself. Cat Ridgeway on the official tapes. I was trying to figure out, like, what do I do? And once I kind of investigated myself and found my way to these songs and figured out what they were going to grow up to sound like, it just felt like a fitting title. It was like, nice to meet you. This is what I do kind of thing. Like, this is me as an artist. This record was an interesting step in my career because I felt like it was the first time I was really exploring what I personally do as an artist. The last record I put out, while I love it and all the songs on it hold a really special place in my heart, it was really recorded to be more of pitching tool for publishers or to showcase my songwriting ability. Because at the time I was more focused on trying to be a songwriter. No one's ever really come up to me and been like, hey, we'll give you a record deal if you do X, Y, and Z. It's always been me kind of forging my own path. And I think staying true to my own craft and falling in love with songwriting was really what got me started in the first place. So I just don't really see myself digressing from that too much. And I've also always just really loved indie music, indie rock specifically. And so for me, I felt like maybe straying from that essence in, in my own music and, and the craft of, of writing songs would be kind of a disservice to being able to write music in the first place. Because I just love what I do so much. And I would, I would hate for somebody to come in between me and this uh, ethereal thing that I'm able to connect with. When we went in the studio with these songs, the goal was to have a really cohesive sound and kind of figure out what my identity was going to be. Making a collection of songs that just kind of vibed together and hopefully would just give off good energy. I love writing in all these different genres. I have country songs, rock songs, you know, you name it. And I love it all. You can hear a lot of my influences from that run the gamut from indie rock all the way to just like Motown and soul and everything in between. So probably the most notable thing people would walk away with, I think actually might be the horn lines because there are horns in just about every single song on this thing. Back when I very first got into music, one of the first instruments I ever picked up was the trumpet. And 
I went to a private Catholic school. So there were probably like, I don't know, 12 kids total in the band. And the band instructor let me in a year early because they needed another brass player. And so I picked up the trumpet in fourth grade (laughs) and uh, shout out to Brad Hudson. But he's over here teaching all of us little Catholic kids like blood, sweat and tears and Chicago and Aretha Franklin and all this stuff. And this is the stuff we're playing at our like, quote unquote, recitals to our parents. <laughs> and it was like it was the dopest thing ever, though, because like I just remember being like, damn, Chicago is the coolest band in the world. And to this day, one of my favorite bands and actually the song Sweet Like Candy on this record, the ending is kind of an homage to beginnings. I think I would categorize myself if I had to as kind of indie soul. That's a, a genre that gets thrown at me a lot when people hear my music. Soul music kind of has that bendiness, like we, where you're bending from one note to the next. And, and a lot of time has that kind of like a swing feel about it too, on a more like technical term, you know. But songs that really have a groove and sit deep in the pocket, but also songs where you're really digging into the vocal, where the words might carry some weight, but it's more about the way you sing them. Just really communicating with people. I think every song kind of tells you where it wants to go if you're willing to listen to it and not force it. And that has been my biggest guide in writing songs. I actually, I've dabbled around on different instruments for as long as I can remember and taken lessons on a couple of them here and there. But in all honesty, I've never really taken the dive and truly learned music theory or really how chords work together or leading tones or, you know, any of that stuff. I, I understand concepts for the most part, but I couldn't articulate really much of anything that I'm doing. <laughs> um, and, and that's God's honest truth. But what really drives me as a songwriter is more the shape of the song, the energy of the song. Does it have an arc? Is there a journey you're taking as a listener? And most of all, does it vibe? Because it could be the most technical, amazing, musically theoretical, beautiful masterpiece in the world. But if, if people can't listen to it and get into it and jive with it, then what's the point? In no way, shape, or form am I uh, dissing people who write stuff like that because I actually quite enjoy it as a musician. There's totally a place for it. But for me, I'm trying to create a marriage of stuff that is interesting to musicians, but also that the common ear can really appreciate and head bob to, you know? <laughs> Sometimes I I love to just hit record and not even think about what could possibly happen because 
I think your, your head can get in the way of writing something amazing a lot of the time. Like, I don't like to get too cerebral about it unless I have to. My job is to get all of the parts in my head out into a console where it sounds something like this arbitrary idea that was floating around in my brain. But I will say on this record, I, I pushed that further than I ever have before. There were a couple of songs where we were like, what are the horns going to do here? Or, you know, I think this song is missing something. What, what needs to happen here? And I would just workshop the crap out of stuff. I mean, like revisiting and revisiting and revisiting. And actually the song Whiskey Lullabies is probably the song I've worked and reworked the most out of anything I've ever written. I had probably two or three different chorus ideas in that. Two of them got scrapped. The bridge was initially the chorus. Uh, and like, And then all these background vocals came up. And um, actually at the time I was working with some students at Full Sail University down here in Orlando. And they were helping me get a demo version of Whiskey Lullabies recorded. And I showed them the song and they were like, this is good, but I think you can push it a little further. And I'm like, dang, like, how? And I ended up getting really sick. And so I'm sitting in my dorm room under my lofted bed and I have pneumonia. <laughs> and I have a mic and I'm just like grumbling background vocals into it. And I just remember that was the time that every time you come around, I know I won't feel the same as before part came out. No, I can't. And I was like, oh, <laughs> that's cool. And uh, I sent that to to the Full Sail kids and they were like, yes, this is, this is what needed to happen. And I was like, beautiful. And um, it's actually one of my favorite things on the record actually is that little background moment. like the arrangements come out of moments like that or it's like already just completely in my head and I'm like all right this needs to be here like somebody play it I'll be either like asleep or <laughs> noodling around on guitar and then all of a sudden I hear the whole song like in its entirety I like the way you charge the air I can taste it coming Up is actually a really interesting song. It's the complete antithesis of Whiskey Lullabies. It just happened. And it was just like, oh, okay, I guess that's what this song is. <laughs> and I initially had the whole song except for the bridge part. Give me one good reason. 
and I brought it to my band and I was like, hey guys, I have this this thing with this cool jazzy like augmented diminished whatever the heck kind of chord in it and it's cool and two of the guys in the band are, are jazz cats and they were like dude this is so cool you know and so we start working up this song and they were like man you need a bridge like why don't you go to like the five or you know whatever and they're like throwing out chords at me and I'm like no I see this taking a complete left turn and they were like, really? And I was like, yeah, let me, let me sit on this for a couple of days and I'll get back to you. <laughs> and Because we were, we were actually getting ready to play a giant festival. We won a competition to play. And we wanted to play this song so badly that we were like kind of rushing it through the pipeline. And I kept thinking the bridge needs to be like a marriage of Bruno Mars and Alabama Shakes. And it's like that that Motown thing where people are dancing, but it looks like they're just doing high knees. Like, like you know, where they're like kind of running in place, like just skipping, I don't know. Um, anyway, so that's what kept playing in my head. And then I was like, I, yeah. And then I had just learned, actually, I'm not super, super, super trained on guitar or really any instrument for that matter. Um, but I had just learned these minor ninth chords and I was like, ooh, that's what this whole bridge is going to be. <laughs> and uh, so I just did this kind of walk-up thing, and then, it, and then it turned into this, baby, I want what you want. And I was like, ooh, yep, that's it. And then we break right back down into this, like, lower tempo swing thing. The whole time I'm, I'm so focused on the structure and the vibe of the song, I completely forgot about how important lyrics are. And I had these placeholder lyrics. And honestly, I came up with some lyrics in addition to them on stage at this festival because I am the worst procrastinator in the world. And they stuck. And people reacted to the song so well, I was like, well, shoot, man, I don't know if I should really change anything. So the band and I start playing this song all over the place. And every time it's going over really well. And before I knew it, the song didn't even feel like it was mine anymore. And messing with the lyrics and rewriting something to make it quote unquote better, which is such an arbitrary idea in and of itself, right? It felt wrong. And I actually did write a whole second set of lyrics for this song. But when we got in the studio, it was just like, nope, that's, it's just that in it. My producer agreed with me and he's just like, yeah, I don't know. There's just something about the cadence of, of these kind of nonsense words. And so I always joke about the song that I don't know what it means, but I hope it means something to you. <laughs> Giving you up anytime soon. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, no, 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 no. My dad is a diehard Beatles fan and, you know, he raised my brother and me both on all of this music from from that era. And uh, he, I just remember actually when we were really little, he sat us down in the living room and he put on Come Together and he said, 
okay, kids, listen up. This is the best band in the world. And if anyone ever tells you different, they're wrong. <laughs> and, and I was young enough that I was like, oh, this is the best band in the world. I, I've never heard of the best band in the world. Like, what makes them the best band in the world? I guess I got to listen. <laughs> Baby, ain't it the strangest thing? How it's a little timey. I grew up listening to all that stuff, and there's a soul and a heart to that music that you just don't quite hear as much these days. I'm not going to say that it's not there, because it is. You just got to look a little harder for it. Never noticed you before, I'm wondering why. I think a lot of the time when people glorify the way vinyl sounds, I actually think they're more interested in the way that the sound was captured in the first place and less about how it's being played back. Namely, you know, stuff like like Otis Redding and Sam and Dave and all that kind of stuff. Like if you go and you listen to the horn sections and the vocals in that stuff, it's usually kind of like fuzzy. It sounds almost distorted and, and that's that saturation I'm talking about. And it's just, ooh, it's tasty. <laughs> and uh, from a recording perspective that's a sound that I love and a sound that I don't hear as much but indie music gets close like with lo-fi stuff because it's purposely made to sound you know exactly what it is low fidelity so you get more of that grittiness and I, I like that I like raw stuff You know, there's a reason Dave Grohl is obsessed with that Neve console and and Sound City and everything. And there's a reason all all the musicians that are really hitting their stride right now are obsessed with recording at those studios and stuff. There's there's stuff that's just tried and true and it's got a character to it. You know, different people bring out different aspects of it. And I think that's what's neat because every artist has a different sound, but there's something that the recording equipment adds to them. Um, just like any any good producer would be able to bring stuff out, I think the actual equipment you use is able to do that a little bit too. You can go to my website, it's catridgeway.com, and it's cat with the C. All my social media stuff is linked on there. I probably post the most on Instagram, and you can follow me on Spotify as well um, and get updates whenever I'm putting new stuff out. <laughs> <laughs>